Sally Franz is an award-winning author whose books include Monster Lies, a co-authored nonfiction work published by Beagle Bay Books. She also wrote The Baby Boomers Mini Field Guides, a three-book series consisting of guides to menopause, raising teenagers, and codependency, as well as I Love You When, all published by Nightingale Press in the UK. Her anthology contributions include the New York Times best-selling Chicken Soup for the Grandparent's Soul. She's a contributing blogger to the Third Age e-magazine and has been a national speaker appearing on the Today Show, the Maury Povich Show, and Lifetime. She lives with her innkeeper husband, Dwight, on the Olympic Peninsula next to Olympic National Park in the Pacific Northwest. Hi, Sally. So glad to have you with us today. Thank you. I'd like to start today by asking you about the piece you wrote for the Unmasked Women Write About Sex after in, and Sex and Intimacy After 50, the anthology that came out last fall. And your piece is called Tweaking Sex After 50. In it, you write quite humorously about some of the things that can, shall we say, interfere with easy lovemaking as we age. What prompted you to write about that topic? Well, first of all, I was so excited when I found out that you were putting together this anthology and I said, oh, yes, yes, I want to be in it. And my three big, you know, uh, calling cards are faith, curiosity and humor, usually sarcasm, because if you're not laughing at yourself, you're missing the whole point of the journey, as far as I'm concerned. So I wanted to make sure that humor got into uh, the anthology. I also um, come from uh, a situation where I got what I would call rapid aging. When I was 54, I got a, a disease or condition called transverse myelitis where I was paralyzed from the waist down and I had to learn to walk again. Well, a lot of things didn't come back and a lot of pain stayed with me. So it really was like going from 54 to 84 in about a half an hour. And it was off-putting, dumbfounding, and quite frankly, it was not in my day planner. So I just said, wow. And I'm, get, I'm getting on 67, so I'm heading towards the 80s uh, chronologically. And I went, you know, we have to start talking about the fact that those of us that are sexually active, and not everybody is, no judgments, but if you're sexually interested and active, you got to know that it's okay to stumble around a little bit. Absolutely. And so quickly tell our listeners a little bit about the book you wrote about that experience of being of having the transverse myelitis come on so quickly and, and the, I think it was months and months that you were in the hospital. The book was called? So the book is Scrambled Legs, A Snarky Tale of Hospital Hooey. Basically it was my discovery that I do not do well in captivity. And I was in captivity a long time, a lot of rehab, months and months in rehab, and I didn't get along with people telling me what to do or telling me how I felt. Very first chapter is called The Grinding Halt, where I was on a ski slope and I fell down and couldn't get up. And uh, when I got to the clinic in town, they said, well, you must have broken a bone hitting a tree. And I said, no, I didn't hit anything. And one of the guys actually said, well, I'll come back when you can remember what you hit. So I went, okay, game on. So when he came back, I said, I think I hit a tree. I'm not sure. And he said, well, you'll have to wait here. There are a lot of people waiting. I don't think you've broken any bones. And I was in a lot of pain. And I started moaning and a nurse walked by and said, if you keep up that noise, they're going to put you away in one of these rooms down the hall. And I went, awesome. So I asked a friend who was sitting with me to leave and I started screaming, holy hell, 
shrieking and sure enough, I got a room. And eventually I got doctors. And after the second day, we got a doctor who actually knew what they were doing and diagnosed me. So yeah, I was not amused the whole time. Two or three times they almost killed me. Thank goodness I was awake. People that are unconscious need to have people in their families sitting with them every minute, even in America, maybe especially in America. Oh my gosh. Well, I, I have read it and I can recommend it to all of our listeners. It reminds me, we had a Kirkus review uh, written about the book recently, and it said something about how wonderful, we had such a wonderful variety of blunt voices. And so your piece and many of the others are just so specific and forthright and honest and detailed. And I'm thinking, you know, wouldn't it be great if all of us talked about sex and intimacy in that way. I mean, if we did it in our families, if we did it in our faith communities, if we did it in schools, what a different world we'd have, wouldn't we? Well, and I want to tell you, the the sex education I got from my grandmother the day before I got married was this. She took a beautiful silver pitcher that we had been given. It was like a Revere pitcher, and it had a velvet sack with a zipper. And she said, now I'm going to teach you how you take care of this item because it's precious. And she set it on the table and she put the sack at the bottom and she slowly pulled up the sack over the pitcher and she said, now make sure that nothing scratches it. And she put her fingers where the zipper was as she brought it through. And she said, I hope this prepares you for married life. <laughs> I have no idea if she was talking about condoms, if she was talking about a blowjob, teeth. I have no idea to this day. And she's not with us any longer. And she wouldn't have told me if she was. That was it. My mother said nothing. Oh, my God. My mother never said anything to me either. And in fact, when I got my period, I remember kind of being excited. And I went downstairs to tell my mom. And she goes, okay, fine. And, I, and she goes, there's pads in the bathroom upstairs. That's all. That was the whole thing? <laughs> he, that was it. And she never, ever spoke to me about sex. I mean, not, I, I don't ever remember her telling me about sex of, of any kind. So what I got was all my girlfriends told me about sex, right? Right. And I knew, and I, I knew when I was really little that, you know, you got pregnant if someone laid on top of you. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, that's a start. That was a start, right? But um, boy, I, I do think we've come a long ways in the years since you and I were little little girls or even young women. Even the sex movies that they showed us in sixth grade were the ovaries and the uterus and the sperm coming up and nobody told you how the sperm got in there and nobody told you it was supposed to be fun. Usually if, if anything you heard, I mean, my mother calling out the door when the first time I went to a drive-in movie, don't get in trouble. Yes, exactly. Yeah, fight them off. You know, okay, mom, I'll fight them off, whatever that means, you know. And when we got older, especially now we, you know, so there we are. Maybe we picked up some sex pointers along the way. Maybe we saw a dirty movie and saw other people do it. But I remember uh, when I really came into my own sexuality in my 30s, I had watched a movie 
trying to remember the name of it, but anyway, it's a scene with, I think, William Gere, where they're having sex in a dumpster, and then they're having it in the shower, and like she kicks out the door, and the whole shower breaks, and everybody I know who saw it went, oh, I can't believe that kind of sex, and I went, well, it sounds, I mean, except the dumpster, I could, but like wild on the table, and on the chair, and, you know, on a motorcycle, and in a hot air balloon, well, yeah, that sounds great, you know, and people are going, Oh, well, we don't, you know, that's just kinky. I went, no, it's not kinky. I think for me is where people start getting hurt and have scars. But for me, playful, you know, playful. And you know what? What is it? Who was it I was talking to? And maybe it was you that said, you know, as long as it doesn't hurt you or someone else, yeah. who cares? Yeah. You know? You know, if, if, if your idea of having fun is um, food in the bedroom, you know, banana splits, and then, like I said, on your stomach, whatever you want. What is important is that it's supposed to bring you closer together and create the intimacy. Yes, the sexual release, but also the, the love. It's love making, And um, to not talk about it at our age, especially because we have to compensate. I have friends who I've got the disease that I've got, transverse myelitis, who can't control their bladders, who may have a colonoscopy. Talk about having to rearrange sex for a colonoscopy bag. And yes, you can. And that's what I want people to know. Listen, we're not getting any younger. We're going to have hip replacements. We're going to have knee replacements. We're going to have you know, all kinds of surgeries. I have a friend that's had her second kidney transplant. Now, how do you become sexual? Because the rest of the body is sexual. You can make love just by kissing each other's necks for like an hour. Trust me, you'll both get off without even touching the other parts, especially the back of the neck for me. But, you know, everybody's on their own on this one. But we have to start talking about the fact that sexuality is when two people are fondly fondling. Uh, absolutely. And I love, you know, it's so much, um, I'm really hoping that we have some men listening to the podcast too, because they get so wound up about erectile dysfunction. And then they think if they can't have an erection, that, 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 that means everything's over and they'll never be able to. And that's not true. As you said, there's so many other parts of our bodies that respond to touch and stroking and you can have an erection or, a, well, I don't know if you get an erection, but you certainly can have an orgasm. You can have an orgasm in your hand, on, on your thumb and your forefinger. You can live, men, women, anybody can have orgasms all over their body. They need to start play, playfully finding out what those parts are for each person. And like you said, it's just like, you know, all the women I know, all they want, care about in a mate is humor, intellect, and respect. Okay, so it wasn't your bank account, duh. It wasn't your dick. It's nice, but it wasn't that. Because any, I would, and I have been in relationships where there was no sex because of uh, uh, dysfunction, and I loved it because we were passionate together. It was a, a, you know, a real Renaissance guy that got it, that it was, I didn't care. You know, I'm caring that I'm feeling loved and adored and tingling all kinds of extra places. Why not? Yeah. And what, you know, what's interesting too, is if you think about it, I often will, we're attracted initially to someone because we're attracted to them sexually often. Sure, there's sparks. You know, there's sparks. But then over time, as your relationship deepens and, and deepens into a love and respect, that's when 
being able to say to each other, you know what, anything's okay. You know, we can do things beyond just the, the stuff. Missionary. Yeah, yeah. And I'm grateful. I, I kind of didn't really come into my full sexual awareness till I was in my 50s. And I feel lucky to have been with some men who've just been wonderful, wonderful love makers and partners. One of the things I also discovered is that men who are older are way better at lovemaking than young men. And it's all because they're not as focused on their penis and themselves, you know, on the relationship, the experience of the two that the two of you are having in this intimate moment. And they're, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. I, I wish that young women had an opportunity to experience this more, you know, because young women deserve that as much as older women do, but I still appreciate it. Yeah, and I think the other thing is, is talking to each other. And one of the things I didn't emphasize enough, but I did say in the article that I wrote is, look, everything changes every day. I know guys that like to, that they figured out a way to have you come and they figure, okay, next time we want to see if I can knock five minutes off that. And then if I can, five more minutes off of that, I'm pretty soon I get down to three minutes, boom, she'll come and I'm done. And it's like, okay, go do that with your race car, but do not do that with your woman. Here's the thing. Number one, we don't like it when you cut back the time because the time is what we're relishing. But even more than that, you might touch the back of my neck and I come in three seconds. And the next time you touch the back of my neck and it's annoying. It's really annoying. I can't explain it. Now the inside of my elbow is what's turning me on. So I need to tell you, as embarrassingly as it is, each time we make love, what is feeling good tonight? Because otherwise, he's trying to guess. I'm trying to guess. I mean, I thought it was going to work the same time, and it doesn't. So I need to say, well, let's try shifting this way. Or what if I got on top? Or what if we went side to side? Or what if we went outside? You know, it's just, why don't we just keep working on seeing what would get us there and talk about it? And talking. I think that's the key thing, too, is so many couples don't talk or or are afraid, you know, one partner or the other or both are afraid to say what they're feeling or what they want. And what they want. And maybe they're afraid that the other person will say no. So maybe it's, maybe it goes back to trust and people beginning to learn to trust each other. And of course that goes back to cleaning up the crap that happened during the day. So if there was a betrayal of small parts or a forgetting of small deeds and people are kind of holding that grudge, the trust is gone, so why would you say what feels good? Let's just get this over with and get on with our lives. Bad, you know, it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be a lot more fun than that. And that is a very, the very first step down the road toward disillusion of the relationship because if you can't be honest with each other and if that other person can't honor the fact that, you know what, this is bothering me tonight and I don't feel like having sex or I don't feel like, you know, doing this right now until we until we work through whatever this is that's bothering me, you know, it's really important that you are able to communicate honestly and with integrity. Really be able to, because that's to me, you know, they almost all, I think a lot of sex is just in the head, in your mind. It's in your head. Yeah. It's got, it's, you know, it's part of the, for me, it's, 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 I have a hard time getting out of my head and getting into my body. That's one of the biggest challenges because I've got stuff going on in my head all the time. 
able to sink into my body is what is more helpful for me. But if I'm in my head and I'm upset about something you said to me, you know, four hours ago or something that someone else said to me or something that happened at the store today or whatever it is, I'm having t more trouble getting into my body because I'm stuck in my head. I've even uh, told my husband recently, I said, here's a hot tip. Anytime you want to have sex or you just want to be close to me, all you have to do is get out some hand cream and rub my shoulders. And I will relax and I will get into my body and we may or may not have sex, but at least you're a lot closer because just looking at me and going, so is not it. <laughs> so go get the cream and rub my shoulders. <laughs> And, and we're closer and just being able to say that is important and if if you are listening man or woman and you can't say that go to your heart and find out why what are you afraid of and then because if this is the person that's supposed to be the love of your life you need to work on that to clean out whatever you're harboring or whatever it, I mean sometimes it's not what that person did is what's going on in politics or it's what's going on in your family and just saying to them, you know what, I'm having such a hard time. Can we just sit in the hot tub to, for a half an hour and just wiggle our toes together? That's all. Just so I can chill. So much of what you just said is just hitting me really um, right in the heart because with the way the world is, and I, I'm, I'm even thinking about, I read this really interesting piece. I think it was by John Golfy, who is a, a, a California writer, about how since the, since Trump was elected, and I don't want to make this political, but he was having trouble working. You know, and so and so you realize that if, if there's something bothering you, whether it's political or not, and I have to say, I'm a progressive Democrat, and my significant other is a Republican, so you can imagine the conversations that we get. And there have been times when I've gotten out of bed and said, you know, go F yourself. I'm not, not going to talk to you about this anymore. But it's so important to realize that everything around us, everything that's happening in the world, everything that's happening in our world, our little worlds, affects us on a day-to-day -day basis. Sexuality, yeah. Exactly. And it can have a profound effect on your ability to become emotionally involved enough to be in a place of love and intimacy and so if we all just give each other a little bit of space and recognize that it maybe like you said maybe it's just a little back rub that helps us get out of that place and into a place of of communion and community and and intimacy and we deserve that we it, we can't go fight the good fight we can't fight the world, we can't go out into politics, we can't deal with our family, we can't do any of it unless our well is full. And for a sexual woman, one of the things you do besides eating chocolate and drinking red, red wine, you know, one of the things you do is you make love because your body needs the release. And so if you don't do it, it's going to build up and back up and it's not good for your health. So, I mean, God made us this way. It's not like we're, we're doing something on the sly that he doesn't know about. God made us to be sexual beings, and so as sexual beings, we need to express that, and we need to be in partnership with that, you know, and particularly just because we uh, women that are doing things with their lives, have careers, are out there um, making a difference in their communities, uh, that's stress. That's a lot of work. It's time to 
give ourselves some, you know, credit and let ourselves have fun. Well, Sally, I'm, this has been such a fun conversation and I hate to say we have to go, but we've only got a certain amount of time for the podcast. So really <laughs> appreciate you sharing your humor and your, and your wisdom today with us. And um, hopefully we'll be able to have you come back on again sometime. Oh, I'd love that. And thank you so much for this anthology. I think it's a really important thing for women. 